Tonight, new worries about the spread of the Delta variant, a controversial study raising concern about the effectiveness of the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine as the battle over vaccinating healthcare workers heats up, with so many still not protected. And with hospitals seeing a surge of the unvaccinated, we return to one center where most of the COVID patients are young. Also, the heartbreaking loss of a five-year-old boy. Our alarming look at the wildfire and climate emergency more intense than ever. A smoky haze spreading across the country, the threat only increasing. What can be done to help slow the extreme effects? Plus, incredible scenes of people trapped in deadly and unprecedented flooding. The bombshell today from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, a new battle in Congress over the committee to investigate the deadly January riot. Our exclusive new reporting on COVID misinformation, code words being used to get around social media bans. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening, I'm Kate Snow in for Lester tonight, and this is where we're at tonight. 1,000 new COVID infections are being reported in this country every hour. The focus is again on the spread of the Delta variant and how best to fight it. A small controversial new study is calling into question the effectiveness of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine against that Delta variant, but that study has limitations. What there is no doubt about is the effect the Delta variant is having on the unvaccinated and even in rare cases on children. Children. With many health care workers across the country still unvaccinated today, the nation's largest city announced it would require workers in city-run hospitals to get the COVID shot. Our Gabe Gutierrez has the latest. As the U.S. sees a thousand new COVID infections every hour, a new study suggests that the one-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine may be less effective against the Delta variant and that the 13 million people who've received it may need a booster. The CDC does not recommend that, and the study is facing backlash because it's not been peer-reviewed and has a very small sample size of 27 people. J&J says its own studies show its vaccine does offer strong protection. This was a very small study done in a laboratory, not in a real-world environment, and other studies have shown that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in the real world has proven very effective, particularly at preventing severe illness, hospitalizations, and deaths. Tonight, growing concern over the highly contagious strain. Today, New York City announced it will now require all 42,000 employees of city-run hospitals to be vaccinated or get weekly COVID tests. I do believe that it will be beneficial in the end, especially because, you know, as the healthcare workers, we need to be the ones that be protected to take care of patients. 42% of them have not gotten the shot. At a Jacksonville hospital we visited this week, 40% hadn't. Across the country, about one in four healthcare workers are still unvaccinated. This is about keeping people safe and stopping the Delta variant. Tonight, a family is mourning the loss of five-year-old Wyatt Gibson, who they say died from COVID complications. His father, a Georgia sheriff's deputy. Wyatt's relatives, too heartbroken to speak on camera, wanted us to show this home video to remember the exuberant, enthusiastic, and loving little boy who died much too soon in his mother's arms. They say he had no underlying health conditions. Still, serious COVID complications and deaths among children are extremely rare. Of the more than 600,000 COVID deaths in the U.S., only 493 were under 18. And Gabe, there's new information about breakthrough cases when someone vaccinated gets infected. 
Yeah, Kate, breakthrough cases are still a very small percentage of the total, but the CDC now says that more than 5,400 people have either been hospitalized or died from COVID after getting vaccinated. Three-fourths of them were age 65 and older, Kate. All right, Gabe, thank you. In a growing number of hospitals, we're seeing disturbing and eerily familiar scenes as they see an influx of COVID patients, most of them unvaccinated, most of them young. Ellison Barber returned to one hospital in South Carolina. A year ago, the COVID ICU at Lexington Medical Center was pushed to the brink. This week, doctors say it's feeling like deja vu. We could very easily be back in a similar situation. This man is the newest COVID patient admitted to the ICU, and Dr. Philip Keith is trying to figure out if he needs to be on a ventilator. There's a very high likelihood he'll, he'll require, you know, more invasive care. Around the corner is another COVID patient, just 26 years old, receiving a plasma exchange because some of his organs are failing. A week ago, there were zero COVID patients in this hospital's ICU. Today, there are nine, and four of them are on ventilators, the vast majority unvaccinated. Obesity would be their only probably diagnosis of some. Others have no conditions at all, and otherwise, really the only link is... is is that they're not vaccinated. Almanzo Cromer was one of Dr. Keith's COVID patients, hospitalized for nearly two months. Almanzo was eligible to get vaccinated early in the year, but didn't. Now he'll tell anyone who will listen. Go ahead and get the vaccination, cause the COVID is for real. Like, it had me on my dying bed. Statewide COVID hospitalizations have increased by 103% in less than a month. What I would ask from our community is, again, continue to understand the vaccine. The benefit outweigh the risk 100 to 1. Ellison Barber, NBC News, West Columbia, South Carolina. You can make a plan for when and where to get vaccinated. Visit planyourvaccine.com for more. In just 60 seconds, we're on the front lines of the most intense firefight in years, the impact being felt thousands of miles away, and the battle in Congress over investigating the Capitol riot. Back now with those intense wildfires in the West, the smoke reaching as far as here in New York. Just one example of the ravages of climate change being felt as never before, and it's getting worse. Here's Miguel Almaguer. Burning hotter, faster, and more explosive than ever before, tonight wildfires in the West are threatening homes and lives. Firefighters say what's unfolding here is more than one disaster feeding off another. Historic drought is the perfect fuel for these epic conditions. But it's climate change creating infernos larger than ever, with vortex of smoke powerful enough to spawn their own weather systems. The unimaginable is becoming routine. We're seeing hot days and heat waves like we've never seen before. And then the winds, it's just a formula for disaster. Fire Chief Brian Fennessy and his crew say what's already been lost is devastating, but what's still at risk is mind-boggling. These fires are moving with such speed that it's exceeding all of the models that we've used for decades when trying to gauge fire spread. We hear it all the time from uh, citizens is, I didn't think the fire was going to get here that quickly. While extreme conditions aren't new, the intensity and duration is. This year, Texas was buried under historic snow and ice. 
Tropical storms and hurricanes are forming earlier in the season. Catastrophic floods are becoming routine. And as cool climates record record heat, 94% of the West is in drought, with 64% in the critical category of extreme drought. The long-term impacts of climate change are largely unknown, and so we do expect increased heat and increased incidence of fire, but what's important is to monitor these changes so that we can be prepared for future impacts. Scientists say greenhouse gases must be reduced as a start to the solution. It would be very difficult to go back in time and, and return the greenhouse gas levels to the level that they were 50 years ago. I do think it's important to not lose hope, to consider that we still have options. Tonight as scorching fires burn the west, toxic smoke drifts thousands of miles and chokes the east. The sun tainted red in its soupy haze, our planet's beauty and its peril in one. Miguel, as we push into summer, wildfires and their explosive growth are the big concern now. Yeah, Kate, this hillside is what so much of the West looks like. If a fire ripped through here, it would destroy this area in a matter of minutes. Last year, there were more than 22 major disasters connected to climate change and weather. The price tag, more than $121 billion. Kate? Wow, an unbelievable picture there. Another weather disaster to tell you about. Dozens are dead in China tonight after unprecedented flooding brought on by torrential rains, some losing their lives in subways as they filled with water. Janice Mackey Frayers in China with late details. Tonight, stunning scenes in a subway in central China. Passengers trapped inside flooded train cars, posting horrifying videos to social media. My phone will run out of power soon, she says. The water rising higher, others clinging to handles. It took hours for rescuers to reach them. A dozen people didn't make it out alive. Across the city of Zhengzhou, people were stranded. Kids floated out of a kindergarten in plastic bins. Nearly a year's worth of rain falling in just three days, what forecasters called a once-in-a-thousand-years event. The torrential rain has forced 100,000 people to relocate. As China's army scrambles to shore up dams, now at risk of bursting. This catastrophic flooding adds to a grim roster of extreme weather across the globe. What scientists link to climate change, and there is more rain in the forecast. Kate? Janice, thank you. A battle in Congress tonight over a committee to investigate the deadly January riot at the Capitol. The top House Republican pulling his picks for the commission after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, in an unprecedented move, refused to seat two Republicans. Garrett Hake is on Capitol Hill. Tonight, a committee in chaos. It's an egregious abuse of power. Pelosi has broken this institution. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy withdrawing all of his selections for the January 6th special committee after Speaker Pelosi announced she would reject two of his choices for the panel. Republicans now calling the committee a sham, while Democrats vow to push ahead. We have a bipartisan forum. We can proceed. The speaker writing that her unprecedented decision to not seat Ohio's Jim Jordan or Indiana's Jim Banks was necessary to protect the integrity of the investigation. The fact that she has rejected two recommendations for two members who have indicated that they are not supportive of the objective of the select committee is consistent with how serious this committee is and how important it is to have patriots serving on this committee, not partisans. 
Now, just one Republican remains on the committee, Wyoming's Liz Cheney, appointed by the Speaker alongside seven Democrats. Tonight, defending the investigation to come. This must be an investigation that is focused on facts. And the idea that any of this has become politicized uh, is really um, uh, unworthy of the office uh, that we all hold and, and unworthy of our republic. The committee's first hearing featuring D.C. and Capitol Police officers is still scheduled for Tuesday morning, now likely with five empty seats on the Republican side. Kate. Garrett, thank you. Harvey Weinstein entered a Los Angeles courtroom today in a wheelchair and wearing a prison jumpsuit. The former Hollywood producer pleading not guilty to 11 counts of sexual assault against five women. Weinstein was extradited yesterday from New York, where he's serving 23 years for rape. Up next, an NBC News exclusive, the tricks anti-vaxxers are using to spread misinformation. The battle over misinformation and the vaccine has become a pressure point in this country. And tonight, NBC News has exclusive reporting on what anti-vaccine advocates are doing to evade social media bans. Here's Vicki Wendt. Tonight, anti-vaccine groups are trying to stop Facebook from removing their posts by using code words and fake profile names related to dance. Like in these posts, dancing folks are vaccinated people. Vaccine is hokey pokey or beer. While Facebook says it's working hard to fight misinformation, removing 18 million COVID-19 falsehoods so far, this new tactic could make that tougher, which could impact people like sisters Nada and Hannah Alhaj, who get their information from social media and other sources and don't agree on the vaccine. I am a bit skeptical. I don't really trust the government too much. When you hear your sister say these things, how do you feel? It makes me sad. The vaccine is something I think everyone should get to help prevent other people from getting sick. Some families have joined online support groups to help with conversations about misinformation, including this group with more than 150,000 members. Psychologist Sander Vanderlinden studies the effect of misinformation on social media. How does social media influence people's relationship with facts? When people receive most of their information about COVID-19 and vaccination from social media, they're more likely to be misinformed and they're less likely to get vaccinated. A survey shows 53% of Americans get their news from social media. As for the Al-Hajj sisters, they no longer talk about the vaccine. We make our own choices. Experts say when talking about a tough topic, find common ground. For example, affirm people have concerns about the vaccine's side effects, then pivot toward evidence about its safety and effectiveness. Finally, allow that person to make their own choice. Kate? All right, Vicki Wen, thank you. That is nightly news for this Wednesday. Lester will be live from the Tokyo Olympics tomorrow night. I'm Kate Snow. For all of us at NBC News, stay safe and have a great night. Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. Subscribe by clicking on that button down here and click on any of the videos over here to watch the latest interviews, show highlights, and digital exclusives. Thanks for watching.